Thanks for joining us on the Oasis Church Podcast. To find out more about Oasis, visit CelebrateTheJourney.org. During this episode, Pastor Dennis Ritchie shares a great message that will lead you to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ. So open up a Bible, grab a notebook, or simply listen along. Uh, just a quick reminder that we have our partnership meetings coming up next Sunday right after church and then the following Sunday right after church. If uh, uh, being a partner here is, is what we, we don't have members, we have partners uh, because this is kind of a journey that we're all on together. And so uh, being a partner is just you kind of committing with the other partners uh, to be kind of accountable to one another and to kind of just jump in full steam in the process of our discipleship. And so we have our partnership applications on the back table, uh, sign up on the website. I encourage you all to become a committed partner of, of Oasis and join, just join the fellowship of those who, who are just kind of jumping in and, and want that and, and desire that uh, mutual uh, accountability and moving along together. So next week, right after is one uh, the first class, and then the week after that, the twentieth is the second one. The end. All right. So I'm going to pray. We'll launch. Father, we thank you for the love and the grace that you have. Thank you for the work that Rick does in reaching, reaching those on the fringe of of society. Um, Pray a blessing upon him and his organization. May, um, may they receive so many donations this year uh, that they're going to look for different ways and creative ways to give them away. May you bless them abundantly beyond what they can imagine this year. Uh, and may the, the people that they minister to, may they get back on their feet. May they heal. Uh, and may they find homes and be a testimony to your goodness. And so, Father, today I pray that the words of my mouth and the, the meditation of my heart is acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. So, there are certain topics that pastors generally don't enjoy talking about. And through the years, I've broached those topics only because I've made a commitment to myself and before the Lord and, and actually to all of you that I will always teach the full counsel of Scripture. That means I'm not going to nickel and dime it. I'm not going to weave my way around the difficult things, um, but we're going to talk about them because that's what the Bible tells us. Now, as I've matured as a pastor, and I know, yeah, yeah, I got a long way to go, but I, I mean, I have made some headway. As I've matured as a pastor, I, I no longer have the, the, the stronger ill feelings about broaching certain subjects. Um, I, I guess it's just, uh, it, it's the word of God. And so if it's the word of God, it requires our attention. And if it requires our attention because it's the word of God, then we should be living into these things. And if you don't want to hear the word of God, there's bigger issues we have as a church. So the, the topic of our finances, of our money, is, is one of those topics. And, and I would say that finances is the, is the biggest sin in the Western church. And, and what I mean by that is it, it's the biggest 
It's the most frequently engaged, not bringing the entire tithe into God's storehouse. And so we rob, we rob God. Now, I know some of you thinking, oh, oh, silly pastor. We are no, under, no longer under the law. So receive our nene, nene, nene. And you're right, we are no under the, we're not under the law anymore. We're, we're under God's grace. But when it comes to the law, what I also find is that tithing, that giving back to God 10% of our resources, tithing is the only thing, or many times the only thing, that we say we're no longer under the law. Because if we were just done with the law, we didn't have to follow God's law, then stealing would be okay, and adultery would be okay, and murder would be okay, and coveting would be okay, and using the Lord's name in vain. Those would be all okay, because those are, those are the Ten Commandments. That's JV law, okay? And, and so we can't even get those, but we would never say, well, it's okay to murder. We're under grace, not the law. Or it's okay to just skim a little off the top at the place I work because I'm under grace, not the law. But when it comes to money, we're not under the law. And that's the one that we just kind of fall into. Our dineros, our, our moolah. It's not only, it not only can be a, a, a difficult topic to preach on, but it's a difficult topic to receive. People don't like to talk about or hear about Finances in the context of, of giving them away. In fact, Paul, many times when he broaches the subject of generosity or giving, he, he comes at it from a, a, uh, a less blunt force trauma, and he tries to gently ease the church into recognizing the benefits of actually giving back to God what's already his. Look how gentle he is in when he's speaking to the Galatian church in chapter 6. He says, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word, God's word, should share all good things with their instructor. And so basically what he's saying, the church should pay the pastor. Now, this is not me telling you guys you should pay me because you already do. So I, I get paid, so, so don't worry about that. But there's, but there's bigger things going on in, in the texts. And it, so what we're going to see is there's, there's this exchange that needs to take place. And on the one hand, pastors, all pastors, we're called to, to study God's word, to, um, to pray into God's word, or to... We're called to understand the word of God, and we're also then called to communicate it, unpack it, and teach it. That's just kind of what we're called to do. We're, we're called to shepherd. We're called to encourage. We're, you know, all of these, these things that pastors are, are called to do for the church. And the object is to help those that attend the church um, or those of the church to help those mature as, as Christ followers. And that's kind of our mission at the church. We want to come alongside people and help them mature into disciples of Christ, to empower them to do the work of ministry. Whatever God calls you in the context of your ministry, to, to do that work. Now, on the flip side of that, the church, the people that, that come and attend, they are to share with the church their resources, their giftings, their talents, their time, and their finances. And the reason is, 
first so the so the teachers can teach can dedicate the time that is needed to teach and to shepherd and also to empower those that attend and i believe also so the church can be a light in the community in which it is that it could be a light to the world so within a within a spirit led community there is this mutual bearing of each other's burdens. Paul writes it in, in uh, the second verse of chapter 6 that we are to carry each other's burdens. And by doing so, we fulfill the law of Christ. That's what he writes. Now, the, the, the four verses we're going to be looking at today, we're going to see that the support of the local church is in the interest, the best interest of the people who attend that church. And so it's in the believer's long-term best interest to provide financially for the teaching ministry of the church. The follower of Jesus will benefit not only in the here, in the now, in the today, but eternally by sharing those financial resources. This allows the church to be even more active in the community, even more active in teaching the word of God, even more active in outreaching to those who need to hear the word of God. And so financially supporting your church, according to the Bible, is, is for your own good. And by not supporting your local church, it is detrimental to your spiritual health. Because you see, as Christians, we're called to deny self. And I know that sounds all kinds of theological, but but it really comes down to, we are not to live 24-7 about pleasing me, I. We're not to live all the time about making sure that we have everything that we want, everything we desire, making sure our life is just a bed of roses, mountaintop, glitters, and rainbows. That we are to deny ourselves. We're called to not please ourselves, but we'll see that we're called to live in a way that pleases the Spirit of God. And as we please the Spirit, we begin to live into a different lifestyle, a different rhythm. As we live to please the Spirit of God, you will find that we begin to. Uh, have a spirit-led generosity in our giving of, of everything that we have. Now, within church world, there are those who live in this um, spirit-led, spirit-filled generosity. It is, we can call it maybe um, a sacrificial generosity, that they give to the point where they can't do all of the things that they want to do because their giving infringes upon that. And then others, they, they give out of habits or, or they give in the context of, you know, just making sure it's well within a defined budget and, you know, they're not going without anything that they want. There's those that come to churches and, and I call it pay to play. And so uh, they, they come and they put a little bit in the offering box uh, but when they're not here, they, they don't give or they don't think about giving anything to the church. So it's kind of this, this pay-to-play thing. Um, others, 
don't give anything at all. And, and possibly it's because they don't understand the, um, the principle of giving back to God what's already his in the first place. And so what I want to do is I want to read the entire text of Galatians 6, not the whole chapter, but uh, verses 6 through 10, and then we'll kind of go back and we're going to unpack it. It says, Paul says this, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So in 6 and 7, we read 6, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with the instructor. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, again, there, I believe there's various reasons why people um, don't give to churches or they don't give in a sacrificial way or they, they're not obedient to the, uh, to the principle of tithing. Uh, but one of those reasons, at least not in our neck of the woods here in Cheshire, one of those reasons is they don't have any money to give. That's really not so much the case in here in Cheshire, here in, in Connecticut, in our neck of the woods. Um, Even Jesus uh, looked at the widow in Luke chapter 21, and even she gave out of poverty. She gave all that she had. And Jesus said, you see that? That heart, she's given more than all these other rich people have given because she gave out of her poverty. It could be that people don't give at all or don't give sacrificially because they believe it really doesn't matter much. But on the flip side of that, when you're down 500 bucks in your checking account and you want to do something and the money is not there, oh, it matters at that point. But when it comes to the church, sometimes people don't think giving matters. So I guess the next question that we could ask ourselves is, does giving generously to the church really matter? And that's a great question, and I want to thank you for asking that question, because that just flows right into the sermon that I'm, I'm giving this morning. I believe Paul believes it does, as I believe God believes it does. He, he fires this kind of warning shot across the bow in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You know, it's kind of easy to think that the way we live doesn't really matter much, or at least the way we live financially doesn't really matter much. And I don't mean in the context of, you know, you can just go and spend all your money, don't worry about your mortgage and your lights being on and those things. But but I'm talking about the financial part of it as in supporting the local church. But, But God has created these laws in our worlds. And, and these laws are irreputable. Uh, they, they, they are going to happen no matter what. Take gravity, for instance. Gravity is, is a law. Gravity is what keeps our feet on the ground and doesn't allow us to float around in the air like we're floating around in, in the air. Um, if you've ever listened to John Panette, he talks very much about gravity. 
when, he, when, when his trainer said to him, and now John was very, a very large man, and his trainer said to him, John, I want you to give me a sit-up. He said, oh, nay, nay, I don't do ups. I do downs. Chow down, boogie down, get down. Ups go against gravity. Gravity is a law, and John obeyed the law. And so, but it is not a good idea for you to jump off a cliff to test this idea of gravity, to see if, well, am I really going to fall, hit the ground? Because you will. Gravity is a law. And it's the same thing with the law, the principle of sowing and reaping. It says it right here. We will reap, we will get what we have given. My father used to call it the boomerang of life. What you throw out, it's going to come back at you. And, And so that principle that God has established We, again, should not try to test by allowing everything in our lives, all of our time, all of our talent, all of our giftings, all of our finances, just to be about me, about my comfort, about the things that I want. Because God cannot be mocked, which means that his principle, his law, will be fulfilled. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter if you think you're exempt from that. God cannot, cannot be mocked. He's designed it this way, this law of sowing and reaping. And it's a principle that he has given us for living. So nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And then in verse 8, it says, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So if you sow to your flesh, what that means is if you are just constantly giving over to the things that you want, to your own desires, to the things that, that you believe that you need, if you're constantly seeking to satisfy yourself, then you're going to get exactly what you're looking for, and it's your destruction. That's a really harsh word. You will... Get what you are looking for, your own destruction. But then on the flip side of that, there's this powerful statement that if we sow to please the Spirit, that means if we are living in such a way that we want to please God, that we recognize everything we have is from Him anyway, and that we are not just about me, not just about my selfish desires, but about living in a way that God calls us to, then... We will reap eternal life itself. Paul's not just connecting eternal rewards and eternal life with with kind of uh, sowing to the spirit. I believe what there's this, this nuance here. What he's saying is that we can actually abuse the gift of our salvation by sowing, by focusing only on ourselves. That God has gifted us with this amazing thing called eternal life. And that we can abuse that by making our life all about us. See, we don't sow to get saved. We are saved. And our natural response should be a generosity of all that God has given us. Are we living into the gift of salvation 
by looking to please the Spirit of God and not ourselves. And so there's this surprising tension that, that, that's in these verses and the, and the connection he's making because we, we know that we are saved, grace, faith, not by works, so no one can boast. Again, we don't, we don't give so that we garnish God's favor. We have received God's favor by the blood of Jesus Christ, by his grace, and by putting our faith in him, we receive that favor. And so it changes the way we should live. But I believe that to, to sow to the spirit, to please God, to give of ourselves, is another way of describing a walk by faith. That we would walk by faith and not by sight. To live by faith, to live in such a way that we are completely, um, we are completely dependent upon God, his provision, his providence, to make sure that we have the things that we need. That's to walk by faith. Not only is that our motivation, but it's also the means to live in this this idea of a a sacrificial generosity, of sacrificial giving. And I get it, man. It's not an easy task. Even with the Holy Spirit, it's not easy. In fact, I would say it's impossible to give the way that God calls us to without the transformation of your heart by the power of the Spirit. The reason is because it's about denying ourselves. It's about denying the things that we want. It's the keeping of those things, keeping them back. Like, I really want an iPhone 10 R. It's a nice phone. And sometimes I would like to stand up here and say, I am denying myself because I want to be a good example of this text. But I really can't say that. The reason why I don't have one is... I enjoy sleeping in my bed and not on the couch, and I'm afraid that's where I'd be if Sandy found out I got the iPhone XX. So we have this, we have this, uh, this sin nature that churns within us, and, and that's part of the reason why it makes it very difficult to give sacrificially, to give that 10% that God requires of us. Because it's, it's the pride of life. It's I deserve to have these things. I deserve to be able to do these things. In fact, I believe that all sin begins with a pridefulness. All sin begins with saying, you know what? I'm going to put this as the most important thing and God's going to take up second place or third place. And then mix that whole sin nature in with a culture that tells us we need really cool stuff. We need the next thing, the next shiny thing, the next bright thing, the next new thing, the next operating system, the next new car, the next whatever it is. Our culture continually pushes us and pushes us and says, you need it, you need it, you need it. You have to have this. You deserve this. And so there could be a tendency of... Just getting really tired of denying ourselves the things that that we want, and I get it. it. It can be hard. It can be tiring at times, even with the Spirit, the Spirit of God that's in us, to always make God the most important thing in every situation of our lives. And what I what I mean by making Him the most important thing is that we will obey the things that He calls us to. We will obey and not. Not cheapen 
our salvation, not cheapen his grace to us. So Paul says, whoever reaps, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. In verse 9, he says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in obeying the word of the Lord. Don't grow weary living with this spirit of sacrificial generosity. I have this theory that that some people are turned off by giving to the church because uh, there's some teaching out there that makes your tithing back to your local church makes tithing kind of like a financial investment. Hey, if you give God 10 bucks this week, by the end of the week, he's going to give you a hundred back. And you know, um, sometimes that happens, but it's not the standard. God never said, Hey, you know what? You give me 10, I'll give you a hundred. But what God said was, I will open the storehouse, the windows of heaven, and I will pour out my blessing upon you. And sometimes that blessing comes in the simplest ways. Sometimes that blessing comes where you get 70,000 miles out of your 50,000-mile tires. Sometimes the refrigerator goes longer than it should. Sometimes you just catch a break when you bring your car into the the mechanic, and it's not $1,000, but it's 250 bucks because he saved you money. So in all those ways, you will reap what you sow. And it's not necessarily you get a quick hundred because you threw in ten. And I believe that people, when when they're when they're taught that, and 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 they're given the they're given their money, they're given their money, and they're not seeing you know the the ten times the amount they gave come back to them. They're like, you know, I'm kind of done with this tithing thing. It doesn't work. That's why I believe Paul. And maybe not for the reason I just shared, but he deems it necessary to encourage the church. There is a time, there is a proper time when you will receive God's blessings poured out to you. And so what he's writing is, no matter what, don't stop doing good. Don't stop giving. Don't stop supporting the community of believers, the household of faith the family. Your reaping will happen. It's it's God's law. And so his law has been established and it will come to fulfillment in each and every one of your lives when you engage it the way he calls us to. See, we are called to keep our eyes fixed on him. Jesus devoted his life to sowing to please the spirit, to living a life that he was being obedient to the things of God and not to his own flesh. In fact, in the, in the book of Hebrews, it says that, that there was this joy set before him. And that's that joy, the joy of the harvest. We, look around, we are his harvest. Jesus sowed in his life to please the spirit of God. And because of that, he was able to bear the beating and bear the cross. And we are his harvest. What he reaped or what he sowed, he reaped with those who would have eternal life with him. 
for, for eternity. And so I think it's good to ask ourselves as we begin a new year, do we have this principle in view? Is our mind set on the things of the spirit and not just what the world is constantly kind of pushing at us? In Galatians chapter 2, Paul writes, he said, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. What he's saying is, this life that I've lived, it's, it's, it's dead. This worldly life. He is no longer living in this way to, to feed his own, uh, to feed his own flesh, to make sure he gets everything he wants. He says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by, by faith in the Son of God. The life that I now live in, in the physical, in the body, I now live by faith in the Son of God. I will guarantee... that the gift of God to us, not only in this world, but in, in eternity to come, the things that we sow in the Spirit, we will reap far more than we have ever sown because of the goodness of God. And so we have every reason to live generously. We have every reason to deny ourselves because there will come a harvest for each and every person who gives the way God calls us to give. And Paul wants to continue to encourage the church. Verse 10, he says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. In the, uh, the ESV version, I, I like the way this verse reads. It says, uh, especially those who belong to the household of faith. Here we are this morning gathered in the household of faith. We are the family of believers. And I know it sounds like a very duh statement, but as Jesus followers, we ought to do good. Goodness is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 it tells us that Jesus went around doing good. Why? Because he chose to sow to please the Spirit and not to his own flesh. And so this, this last verse has this kind of feel of, a, of an open-ended generosity with this, with this caveat to it. That we are to do good to everyone, but our priority, our focus, our especially is to the household of faith, to our family of believers. Because it's, in, it's within this community that we begin to, to understand our identity. It's in this community that we begin to have a sense of security. It's within this community that I'm hoping that you're receiving nurturing and nourishment, spiritual nourishment, it's in this community that you're receiving support. Hopefully you're encouraged. 
It's here that you can benefit from teaching and training and discipleship and at times even a a little bit of godly confrontation. The local church is our spiritual home and those who gather here according to what the scripture teaches are our true brothers and sisters. There's a story in Mark's gospel Um, chapter 3, and and Jesus is teaching, and his mother and brother show up, and they send word to him, hey, we're here. And uh, Jesus says, who are my mother? And now he he speaks Aramaic, so he didn't get the right preposition in there, but who are my mother and my brothers? And he looks around and says, those who do the will of God are my mother, my brothers, my sisters. Those who obey God's word, those who press in and live out the calling that God puts on his people, those are the people that belong to the family of believers. Those are the people who belong to the household of faith. The local church deserves to be a priority in the lives of the brothers and the sisters who attend here, or attend it. That doesn't mean we're to neglect our our blood relatives, our family members. In fact, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy that anyone who doesn't provide for their relatives um, has denied their own faith, and they're worse than unbelievers. And so it's not about neglecting them, but it's about prioritizing. So those who give to the church, those who are obedient to the principle of, of tithing, which encompasses the, the, the law or the principle of, of sowing and reaping. I believe they give generously because they believe what God says and they walk by faith and not by sight. They trust in the provision of God. They trust that God will supply all of their needs. They trust that they, they won't be going without the things that they need and they may deny themselves the things they want for a greater good and a greater glory. Those people who, who give sacrificially to the church, uh, I believe they, they have a, an understanding of what the church is. You realize that we are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. Christ claims head to no other institution but the church. Christ claims no other institution is his body except the church, except us. We are the bride of Christ. He is our head. No other institution has a the far-reaching history as the church. I mean, we could trace our roots back to creation, the beginning. No other institution has the future that the church has. We will be established for eternity. We will never end. What we take part in is really a very unique experience. 
and it should take priority in our lives, both with our talents, both with our time, with our giftings, and our financial resources, to serve within the church, to love those within the church, and to financially support the church in the principle of tithing. Tithing is 10%. You're giving back to God 10% of the 100% he has given you in your finances. So here Paul is laying out this principle for giving. That we would first give, that we would give generously, that we would persevere in doing so, and that we would prioritize it in our lives. He points to the future and how our actions will have consequences for us, for those around us, for the church. And so to live generously is to really live a spirit-filled life, a spirit-empowered life. You know, in this kind of giving, it doesn't come from trying harder or trying to be more disciplined. It comes, from, it comes by walking by the Spirit. It comes by being led by the Spirit. It comes with this heartfelt desire to have the fruit of the Spirit manifest in the way we live our lives. And so I, I want to challenge us for this new year that we would begin this new year by taking an extra step in our walk by faith and not by sight. That we would press in and listen more and be led by the Spirit. That we would sow our daily lives, that we would live our daily lives to please God, not necessarily just please ourselves. And that we would make our church family a a priority. A priority in serving, a priority in, in the untapped gifts and talents that are here within this body and a financial priority that we can continue to do the things God calls us to do, to be who God calls us to be. We want to walk by faith and not by sight. And so, Father, we pray that the Spirit of the Lord would empower us, each and every one of us, to dig into your word deeper this year, to... um, to pray into your word with, with more fervent desire, that we would train ourselves to hear you, to listen, and then to live the way you've called us to live. May you empower your church. May you empower us to be the light of the world. May you empower us to love with a Christ-like love. May you empower us to live lives of, of sacrificial generosity. And may you draw us closer together as brothers and sisters. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Woot, woot.